0: You're listening to The Various and Sundry Things Podcast, The Vast Podcast. I am your host, Donna Gay Tyler. Hey, y'all. What you doing? How you doing? I'm good. See, back again, second week of June, back with another episode, doing better, doing a little bit better. Okay, okay. So many things to talk about this week. I, I mean, I have a list, and um, I mean, as usual. Well, what's interesting about this week's topics and i said there are many various and sundry things i want to talk about um a lot of it has to do with crime all types of crime um unfortunately i mean some very serious so let me not laugh at um you know at everything that i have on my list so where do you want to start um and then some things that are not necessarily criminal but definitely just like a in that category of make better choices right um let's start with the um the kind of heavy topic here and it's this story that i've been following for a while and i've talked about on the podcast a couple of times so this is a story that um i've been following for a while i've talked about on the podcast um a number of times on for a couple of episodes it's of the Virginia teacher that was shot by her six-year-old student. It happened back in January. January 6th, I think, is the correct date, which is horrible. If that is, yeah, January 6th, man, tough, tough things keep happening on that date. Um, and remember, if, if you recall the details of it, um, um, it's Rich Neck Elementary School in Newport News, Virginia. Um, and the teacher's name is Abigail's Werner. Um she's still in, she's in her early 20s. I forgot exactly how old she is. But she gave uh, um an interview on NBC Nightly News back in March. I'm reading this on um apnews.com and she talked about, you know, she still has vivid memories and nightmares of that day. The reason that I um will this crossed my path again is because the mother of the shooter, her name is Deja Taylor, she um Okay, let me update that. Um, In an article on the Washington Post this morning, um, she actually did plead guilty um, in uh, federal court to federal uh, gun charges. That was actually today, June 12th. Um, Again, a Washington Post article online says that um, she pleaded guilty to uh, federal gun charges, and a filing by prosecutors appears to undercut. Her lawyer's assertion that the gun used in the shooting was safely stored. So the mom's name is, again, Deja Taylor. She's 26 years old, which is almost the same age as the teacher, if I'm not mistaken. She pleaded guilty in federal court to one count of being an illegal drug user while possessing a firearm and one count of falsely claiming she did not smoke marijuana on the background check form. She filled out when she purchased the handgun that her son used in the school shooting. Federal law, again, still reading from the Washington Post, federal law prohibits users of illegal guns from possessing a firearm and purchasers have to attest that they are not drug users at the time they buy a gun. So under the terms of this plea deal, prosecutors agreed to recommend that the mom face between 18 to 24 months in prison when she's sentenced. Oh my goodness though that is not binding on the judge. She is scheduled to be sentenced on October 18th. She faces a second set of charges in state court um, that have yet to be resolved. Oh my goodness. Like I said, when I looked this up last week, she was um, supposed to plead guilty to these federal um, felony gun charges. um, Allegedly, or apparently she pleaded guilty to it. So when she um, filled out the form, um, she did not check that she was... um, a drug user now, I believe in Virginia and in a number of um, states across the United States, um, marijuana is not criminal, is not the possession of marijuana. The use of marijuana is not a criminal offense, but on the federal level, it still is. And so that's how she's got caught up with this. Listen, this is a sad, sad story all around. Um, If you remember the details of it from a couple of uh, podcast episodes ago, you know, the six-year-old had a gun, um, brought the gun to school, pulled it out, shot the teacher through her hand, the gun um, hit her in the chest. I believe this article, um, the AP news article says that um, she's had to have four surgeries um, since the shooting. And then there's some days, of course, when she can't get out of bed, she says, and some days where, you know, she can, and she goes on about her day. She was hospitalized for nearly two weeks after being shot in the hand and chest And of course, um, she said, you know, like when it first happened, this is the teacher talking that she was just terrified, but her concern was, you know, on the kids quote, I just wanted to get my babies out of there. Um, it's, it's just a crazy situation because, of course, there have been allegations that the school officials, the administration was notified that the kid had a gun. They searched him and did not find it. But of course, in the classroom, he pulls out a gun or pulled out a gun and shot his teacher. I believe that the teacher's attorney filed um, a lawsuit against the school district um, you know, for this because, you know, again, allegedly, um, School officials were notif- notified. He was searched. They didn't find a gun, and he still had the gun and shot his teacher. I've been following this story personally, obviously, because I'm, you know, a teacher and a parent and you know, human. And this is awful. I mean, the the proliferation of gun ownership in the United States, and I'm talking about legal gun ownership. Um, it still sends you know these messages, and obviously, these people are not you know, using them responsibly. And obviously this gun was not stored responsibly. Now, initially um, I had seen an interview with the the mom. So that would be Deja Taylor, her attorney, and I believe the boy's grandfather and her, um, and they were saying that well, at least the attorney was, cause I don't think the mom was speaking specifically in this um particular interview. The attorney was hinting, you know, how lawyers talk, Um, that the mom had stored the gun properly, but yet somehow or other the kid had gotten access to the gun. Well, yeah, like I said, this is an awful story um, all the way around. Okay, wait, let me read this Washington Post article just a little bit more for you. James Ellenson, an attorney for Taylor, had previously said the 9 millimeter Taurus was safely secured on the top shelf of Taylor's bedroom closet with a trigger lock attached. He said it was unclear how the boy got a hold of the weapon before bringing it to school, but federal prosecutors wrote in a statement of facts filed with the plea deal that investigators found no lockbox, trigger lock, or trigger lock key during a search of Taylor's residences following the shooting. Authority did, authorities did find a firearm barrel lock in a trash bag that had been filled a few weeks before the shooting at one of Taylor's homes, according to the statement of facts. Hmm. See, so that's where this kind of gets a little bit tricky um, because like I said in that um, interview and what I had read also on a number of websites is that um, through her attorneys, Taylor was alleging that she had, you know, properly secured her firearm. But according to this that we just read, it doesn't seem like um, investigators found any evidence that the firearm was actually securely locked. Um, Let's just be like, you know. Logical here, duh. It must not have been securely locked if a six-year-old got a hold of it. I mean, I think I'd read somewhere else too that it was like on a top shelf. Like, no, it wasn't. It apparently it was not. Um, also, this is in the same um Washington Post article, but I, the kids um the mom and attorney had said as much also in an interview that the kid suffered from um, ADHD. Um that you know, she had apologized for what had happened. Um, and I'd also seen, and you probably have too, that. He was under some type of agreement that his parents had with the school, his parents slash guardians had with the school, that they were supposed to accompany him, you know, on a daily basis to school. And this was the first day that his parent and or guardian had not done so. I mean, and, you know, what an awful situation it turned out to be. You know, it just, again, you know, it speaks to the proliferation of gun um, ownership and how easily it is that, you know, people can, and children apparently can get a hold of guns, And it also, you know, speaks to the mindset of, you know, young people. This kid's only six. I'm assuming like kindergarten, first grade, I'm somewhere around there. My daughter's six. So she just finished up kindergarten, headed to first grade. So somewhere around kindergarten, first grade, we got a kid that young that can access a weapon and bring it to school, hide it in some way, shape, form, or fashion from people who are allegedly um, actively looking for it or looked for it, and then- Get in the classroom, pull it out, and shoot the teacher in the hand and in the chest. Dang, y'all, that that's a rough one. That's a rough story. Well, speaking of people who have been charged with um, criminal behavior, um, everyone's least favorite um, ex president, um, as you are well aware, has been um, indicted. And has been, is facing 37, I'm reading this on um, NPR, 37 federal charges, including obstruction and unlawful retention of defense information. Federal prosecutors say Trump Trump, Trump, illegally stored dozens of highly sensitive documents everywhere from bathrooms to ballrooms at his Florida resort, refusing to return them to the FBI and National Archives. Surely by now you've seen the pictures of the like literal boxes and boxes, stacks of boxes in the bathroom of all places or in a bathroom, because I know this place has more than one, but in the bathroom of all places and like on the stage of some sort of ballroom, um, just, you know, just willy nilly kind of, um, you know, stored. Um, And of course, if you've been following along with this, this particular issue with Trump, you know then that um, the National Archives had already sent requests to him vis-a-vis his, um, his, his attorneys requesting that such documents be returned. Um, and he did not comply with, um, was it, would it be a subpoena or the request? Whatever, whatever the legal term is for it, he did not comply. Um, there's also some sort of audio um, of him sharing it appears some document um with people at um i believe in florida at his Mira largo resort and there's audio of him saying you know look at this particular document here um of course you know i could have declassified this but i'm no longer the president so like here we are like dude what are you what are you showing off like weird 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 which of course I know that gets into a whole nother discussion of why Trump was totally, wholly and entirely unfit, unqualified to be president of the United States in the first place. I saw a clip and I can't remember who this guy was, um, but I saw a clip um, on a news program. It was on social media somewhere. And this person was saying that, you know, from the get go, from from the beginning, that he had no respect for the laws. And I'm not just talking about, I'm the president of the United States. I get to do what I want to do. But like even the whole constitution period, like people were constantly, constantly, you know, you know, pulling his coattail, telling him you can't do this. You can't say that. Of course he said what he wanted to say anyway. You can't tweet this. You can't type that. He would say what he wanted to say, do what he wanted to do. And as the president of the United States, you're not above the law. And that's really what the bottom line here in this situation is um, he thinks because he takes it with him. As a matter of fact, I just saw somebody tweet that. Um, and that O'Brien, um, I follow her online. If you don't, she's she's good for um, <laughs> like uh, getting people together. But anyway, some some attorney somewhere said that, you know, he's the president of the United States. And by virtue of the fact that he took these documents with him, they're automatically de- declassified. That's the the statement that he's been trying to say, you know, like covers him and that his attorneys have been trying to say covers him, but that's not how it goes. There is not this magic power that you have that just because I retain some type of physical ownership of said documents, that, that automatically declassifies him. There's actually a process through which the president has to go through it's not just because i am this person and because i have it then poof that's not how it works but people have been saying that all along about him that he has no respect for the constitution about laws and about how even government works you know um we why can't we just do this or why can't we just do that because there are processes in place there's checks and balances it's not you just get up one morning and decide oh I just want to say this i just want to do that you know it's that's not how it works but again, you know, that's how it's worked for him and his businesses. You know, he's, you know, lied about so many different things. Um, and I don't even want to get into all of the um, charges that he's facing right now, but that's one of the charges um, that's been alleged um, of his company in terms of how they do business, you know, like overvaluing their um, real estate assets um, so they can get these large um, outlandish loans, but then undervaluing them when it comes to paying taxes. You know, it's again, you like, you just do what you want to do and pay people off if you you know, if you can, or you know, even if they don't, you know, want to take payoffs or whatever like that, then forget them. You know, we just keep fighting them in court until, you know, these other entities, I guess, give up or whatever. But he's being held to task for these boxes and boxes, and I don't understand what I what I don't understand about the people who are defending him. Again, I said this before too in you know previous episodes. These people go through these like contortions to try to defend what is clearly indefensible. There's there's the photo evidence of it, y'all. There's the audio evidence of it. Like at this point, even if I had been never was, but even if I had been a Trump supporter, I just back off of him because I look stupid trying to defend what is clearly indefensible. You you can't defend that. It's there. He did it he's an idiot for doing it. Just let him go. Um, He's supposed to appear tomorrow in a Miami courthouse, as I previously stated. You know, He's been on his little truth social, wherever he shows up on his own social media platform. And and then I guess in some sort of interview too, where he's been calling for people, protesters um, to show up. Um, So yeah, in a radio interview hosted by his former advisor, Roger Stone, didn't that guy plead guilty and end up getting some jail time? And what's Was he the one that Trump pardoned, I think? But anyway, quote, we need strength at this point. Everyone is afraid to do anything. They're afraid to talk. They have to go out and protest peacefully. It's essential that they keep it peaceful, civil and legal, stone emphasized. Yeah, but then these people, you know, not all of his um, supporters were using words like peaceful. Um, That crazy lady from um, Arizona, Carrie Lake, um, she said at a press conference, we are at war, people. And if you want to get President Trump, you're going to have to go through me and you're going to have to go through 75 million Americans just like me. Sis, what? No, why? No, for what? Girl, bye. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. But yeah, everybody's favorite, unfavorite, least favorite, unfavorite, least favorite ex-president, y'all. Well, I was hesitant about calling him a criminal because... um, has he, I don't think he's been found guilty in a criminal case yet. He was found guilty in that civil lawsuit, um, but he's been charged with so many different things. Oh my God. Like this one website says that um, he faces, he's been accused, credibly accused. Now this came out, um, this is the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in, is it Washington? Citizensforethics.org they say that he has been um, credibly accused of committing at least 56 criminal offenses since he launched his campaign for president in 2015. Um, And they go on to say that that total only reflects allegations relating to his time in or running for office and omits, for instance, his criminal exposure for fraudulent business dealings. I remember when I read it, was that a New York Times or Washington Post like expose of all of the, um, fraudulent business practices that he, um, by, you know, through his company had engaged in. And like, I thought that was going to be like, boom, like it was going to hit and hit hard. And it totally didn't because whoever had been working on that piece, I mean, they had done some extensive digging and talked to a lot of family members. Well, those who would talk um, a lot of former employees, a lot of former um, business associates and partners and things like that. And that people just like let it go. It's like, yeah, he's a whole fraud. He's a whole hot mess. He never pays his bills. He doesn't pay taxes. But I mean, he even admitted to that in one of the. um, forums with um, Hillary Clinton, one of the debates with Hillary Clinton, that he, you know, he was smart for, you know, figuring out loopholes, you know, so that he didn't have to pay taxes. And even that, like, totally, like, that, like, blew me away. I'm like, and people still supporting him? And the catch is, y'all, of course, the average Trump supporter is a person who does pay their taxes. I'm talking about the people who are like out there protesting for him. I'm not talking about the big uh donors. I guess he still probably has some. The big donors who, you know, contribute a lot to his campaigns because of course these are big companies and corporations and rich folk who like him also wanna, you know, like, you know, lower their tax bill. But your average Trump supporter, the people who are always interviewed at these rallies and all this other kind of stuff, they pay taxes why are y'all going to support somebody who don't pay taxes you are never going to be in the same stratosphere as him never but that's how it kind of goes right these people and their large religious call it spade is spade. they're largely white folks they see him they see themselves in him and so therefore it's easier to support someone with whom they resonate, right, racially and culturally rather than someone else. So they see themselves in Trump. And even though he's not doing a whole lot of, um, you know, he's not doing a whole lot of right things, um, you know, with regards to his finances, with regards to his credibility, with regards to how he treats women and minorities and all this other kind of stuff, they still identify with him. And so, even though you joe schmo and and Joan Schmo are gonna be responsible for your taxes and your tax bills, you look up to this guy who you know he just says what he's feeling, yeah, he don't care nothing about you <laughs> because when the Republicans um were in charge of uh um the, uh, the Senate, you know, back when Trump was president, you know, the bill that they got through, the tax bill that they got through did not include a tax cut for the average American. It was the rich that got a tax, tax cut. So I don't understand what people, like I said, I didn't want to dedicate a whole big section of the podcast to him, but it, I just, you know, I'm always muse about this. You know, what is it that people say or feel when they say that they feel better you know, when he was the president and now they think America's gone, America's gone to hell in a handbasket. It's always like that. What has been like that, you know, with Biden and with Obama, right? That they are faring worse financially. That's what these people say who support Trump. They fare worse financially and they just feel like America's just gone to pot. But the economy doesn't reflect their feelings. And of course their feelings reflect their, you know, racial allegiance with a white guy like Trump. And the reason, of course, that they don't support Biden is because that's a political you know, affiliation. He's white, but he's also a Democrat, right? Um, which takes me to another topic. I really didn't have this one on the list to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, because it kind of leads into it. You know, um, It's pride month, right? It's June, and I know I'm going to get my um, Kojic card definitely revoked um, at this particular point. But I am so tired. Oh my good God from down the street. I am so tired of all these people who are so staunchly and strongly and venomously anti-LGBTQ during this month. It's it's kind of like, okay, so let me I'm, I'm gonna put it out there just like how I how I feel it. So I grew up, as I've said before, Pentecostal, um, staunchly Pentecostal. And I've heard a lot of messages in my lifetime that were not just, you know, seek the Lord, love the Lord, but also very, very don't be that. And those people are, and I'm talking about the LGBTQ community, those people are hellbound and going to hell. I've heard a lot of messages um, about that um, in my lifetime. And even with some more fierce wording than that, and I don't even want to repeat it because it's it's been horrible. And because of how I was raised, at times I did, I parroted, What I heard and what I learned in church. Now, it was always, almost always presented as if that was like the greatest abomination in the world. Like, that was the biggest sin in the Bible that being a lesbian or being gay, or at least here now in 2023, being a trans person is like the biggest, you know, abomination that you could be. Like, now I don't believe, and I just for the record, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And I I I dislike strongly, <laughs> it's the word I'm going to use, people who are constantly attacking members of the LGBTQ community. I just, it, I think that's wrong. Um, I've seen a lot of clips and things like that in the TikTok uh, rabbit holes that have fallen down. People like snatching folks, pride flags down off of their property. Um, some guys snatched the flag down off of somebody's house came back, I guess, a couple of weeks later and burned the flag. Like, what are you doing? I mean, and that's wrong on so many, so many levels. I mean, on a like just a basic level, you want somebody else's property, leave them alone. But, you know, even more importantly, I think it's their freedom of expression. This is what they want to hang outside their house. And this is, you know, a symbol of who they are and what what they believe in or what they support. I mean, and they may not even be a member of the LGBTQ community, but just but just hanging the flag up, you know, and in a you know a, a symbol of support, and I don't I don't get that. I think I talked about in the last podcast um, episode about you know the people you know jumping all over Target um, wrongly because they said that Target was uh, targeting. Sorry for the pun. Target was targeting young people um, with regard to uh, the Pride merchandise that they you know had put out this year which for the record they've had out for a couple of years. Now I won't say it's been like a decade or so, but I've seen pride merchandise, you know, on display, like in, you know, like prominent parts of Target, for a while, for a couple of years now. Um, and they do the same thing when it's um, Latin Latin American, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month in October. They do the same thing for Black History Month in February. Um, when Tabitha Brown has a new drop, her stuff gets, a you know, well, in some stores, gets a kind of a prominent, you know, position in the store. It's not like this is something new. But for some reason, this year, the year of our Lord, 2023, now folks are taking real big issue with it. And one of the things that they took issue with was this, um, I think it was swimwear that was um, being sold um, to people who are transitioning, but haven't quite fully transitioned physically yet. And so they may need to like tuck. Um, And so they were saying, you know, so this type of, now this is the first time I actually heard of this being at Target. You know, I don't know like what the technical term for it is, but it's, you know, um, you know, a swimwear for people who may need to use it. Right, right. Um, But people were saying erroneously that this type of um, that this clothing was being geared towards kids. And that's not true. That's not that's not who it was. Now, I have seen like little kid T-shirts with pride and the pride flag on there or whatever, or even baby wear, you know, with that. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. And perhaps I'm going to hell for this. I hope not. But I don't see anything wrong with that, particularly if it's for a family Or it's for people who are, you know, same gender parents buying that for their kids as their choice. Why is that? Why do I have to go and target and beat up target employees and try to burn down the whole display, (laughs) you know, because that exists. Um, Something else I've seen online, too. uh, LGBTQ folk have existed long before 2023 i don't understand why people think that you know attacking them now is going to make them suddenly disappear and this is you know the problem that people have with um the grand wizard i'm sorry (laughs) excuse me i mean the governor of florida did you see that lady say that last night at the tony awards i didn't watch the whole um award show i didn't watch any of it as a matter of fact but i did see that clip making the rounds and i was like Oh, my God. I got to get her name. I got to um, pull up her name. But anyway, she was um, presenting or announcing an award that had been given earlier in the evening um, by a uh, uh, cooperation between the Tony Awards and I think it's Carnegie Mellon University um, to um, a theater um, instructor in, uh, I think, Plantation, Florida. And she was saying that, you know, as soon as they make that announcement, she's sure that the Grand wizard, she means governor of Florida is going to um, change the name of that little town. I was like, OMG. But anyway, I digress. This is why, though, people have such big problems with DeSantis too, because he lumps all of that together, you know, um, and he calls it erroneously woke. Now, also, you've probably already seen this too, clip making the rounds on social media with some black person explaining what woke initially meant when we use it. Now, of course, Um, Folks like the governor of Florida have co-opted that term and now they use it totally differently. They've lumped everything in there. So what it means now for people who use it like like how he uses it is anything that's not white, heterosexual, Christian. Everything else outside of that box, outside of those parameters is considered woke. And that's the problem. This country has always been an amalgamation, um, you know. They ca- called it the Great American Melting Pot on um, Schoolhouse Rock. Of course, we know it's not a melting pot. Um, I've heard other so, or I've seen other social studies books um, call it a-, a salad bowl. I don't even think it's that. It's just we we all here existing, but we're not all coexisting peacefully because the pieces of the salad all, you know, add its own flavor, and nobody has a problem with it. That's not what we are either. But that's that's what this country has always been. It's always been native americans here first and then here come other folks um all ethnicities races cultures you know sexual identities and all, all that other kind of stuff and we can peacefully coexist here without condemning each other without hating each other without you know pushing our own religiosity on each other i mean honestly people totally forget that part of the constitution the history of the constitution the history of the folks you know, who wrote the Constitution, you know, racist slave owners that they were. The whole point, though, was not to make the United States, you know, one nation under one God. And then there's only one way that we, you know, express our religion. That's not what they wanted because those folks weren't really largely religious to begin with. Now, if you want to you know do some more research on that absolutely knock yourself out but i'm speaking as a former social studies teacher here and as a person who's pretty well read on this subject um but yeah they weren't largely religious to begin with and if you still contend that they were I'm talking about the framers of the constitution then their religion was you know catch-as-catch-can and i'll take this piece of it and not that piece of it because again the majority of them were what slave owners so what religion were they using to justify their slavery always Christianity, the Bible. So anyway, <laughs> which takes me into a whole nother, again, whole nother digression, but I'm not gonna go there. But yeah, so I do have problems in this month of June with folk that are, you know, especially so-called Christians that are having such a big old stinking problem with LGBTQ people just being who they are. So speaking of the lack of uh separation between church and state, um. <laughs> It's, honestly, that's what this is. That's exactly what it is. Um, people trying to impose their religious beliefs on um, the government. That's and that's not how that works. I was talking about this with my husband not too long ago. Um, it's the same thing. The problem with it. One of one of the problems with it is that it's the same thing that this government largely accuses um, fundamental Islamic folk of doing. Um, You know, it's one of the reasons that at least overt reasons that the United States gives for um, being involved in a lot of um, what's going on in certain countries in the Middle East to begin with. And that is that those countries um, want to dominate their government with one religion and then oppress everybody else who either doesn't believe in their religion or who doesn't express their religion in the same way. And we've seen that. You've seen that in the media. You've seen that in the news. You've seen how women under um, some very strict Islamic laws have fared. Um, Remember, it wasn't that long ago, I believe it was just earlier this year when um, some women were not wearing their hijab in public and um, they were being imprisoned for it and even killed by the government. and that's the imposition again of one religion um, by the government onto all of its peoples. And that's the danger in that. If you don't conform to that one way, then you are outside of um, the law. And that's just not, that's not appropriate, which is why there is a separation of church and state, particularly over here in a country like the United States, where to begin with, there is no one religion. Um, you know, I know people pledge allegiance to the flag and that one nation under God business, um, but there is no most. There is no one religion, so the who is the God in the pledge of allegiance gets a little bit tricky, if you will. Um, because what if people don't believe in God? And again, as I stated a number of moments ago, this country was not founded on, you know, this Judeo-Christian belief. It was very loose. The way that people practice their religion um, in the 1600s and the 1700s was not um, the way that we practice religion. Um, And I'm talking about largely Pentecostals, because they're the main ones, you know, these, they're the main ones that are, and I'm not saying they're the only ones, but they're the main ones, um, these evangelicals, they're the ones that are, you know, the loudest, I think, in this fight against lgbtq um, individuals and their allies the other problem um that came up for me in the media recently or you know it's just it's problematic period not just for me but for me because i'm a you know again was raised in the church of god in christ there's this guy bishop wooden i think is his name you'll remember him because a couple episodes back i criticized him for criticizing um beyonce and the clark sisters um they had Beyonce had um, used a sample of one of Twinkie Clark's uh, songs on her Renaissance album. I can't remember which song it is that she used, but it's on the Church Girl um, track, the track called, the song called Church Girl. I can't remember which Twinkie Clark song it is. But anyway, um, this is the first time that Beyonce et al. um, have used a a snippet you know a sample of the Clark sisters music and kudos to them because they get paid for that you know what i'm saying and it introduces people to a whole you know a whole new group of people to the Clark sisters who aren't you know big mega fans like me and all the other kind of stuff but anyway that that aside so here comes Bishop Wooden again um the Church Down Christ has a women's conference every year and this year was in Orlando it was just a few weeks ago as a matter of fact and um that's that's a weird spot for it anyway but like i said you know who knows how you know these contractual obligations or whatever carry them carry themselves out or play themselves out or whatever and i'm just talking about because the governor of uh, florida you know ronda DeSantis is so problematic but anyway women's department um had their annual convention there and um i saw a clip of this online and i honestly thought it was kind of cute it was like a little odd but my overarching you know, feeling behind it was, I thought it was kind of cute. Mickey and Minnie showed up, you know, at one of the services. And I think there was like some churchy, like, you know, shout music with it. And they seemed to be like kind of lively. I don't think they spoke. There was um, like a little banter between whoever, like the MCs or hosts were, you know, for that particular service. And they like introduced Mickey and Minnie. And I think they called Minnie an evangelist and Mickey an elder or something like that. But listen, the women's convention was in, you know, Orlando, it's the home of Disney World. You know, it's it, to me, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like I said, it wasn't necessarily the 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 most sensical thing, but you know, it was a little bit out of place. But I'm, okay, I just I thought it was cute. I was like, oh okay, Mickey and Minnie get saved tonight. God bless. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine, and we were saying maybe if it had been a different meeting of the Church of God in Crisis, um, the churches. And that is, they have this um, meeting in the summer called AIM. As a matter of fact, I think it comes, it's coming up next month. Um, and that's all of their auxiliaries. And that one's um, got a lot more young people that te- typically frequent it. Um, it's had a couple of different incarnations. Um, I used to, when I used to go, it was UNAC, I think. And um, did I go to an AIM? I probably haven't been to an AIM in my lifetime, a couple of them. But anyway, I don't go anymore because, you know, much A has probably been revoked at this point. But anyway, like I said, Mickey and Minnie showed up. The women's convention is in orlando bishop woodin got up um and this was on the internet um whose internet are we going to call it this week um we've called it oprah's beyonce's tina turner's uh let's let's just hold out for a few minutes i haven't decided whose internet we're going to attribute it to but anyway and he was you know in his in his way um saying that he didn't agree with mickey and minnie like being at uh the service And that, um, you know, he was not supporting of the leadership and whoever's call it was to invite, you know, those characters, uh, because they're not real people, um, characters to the Church of God in Crisis. Um, How does that go? Churches of God in Christ or Church of God in Crisis? I don't know. I'm trying to put an apostrophe S on it. I can't figure that out. I digress already. Invite them to the service that night. Um, He was saying, you know, he made some comments about, you know, have you heard anything about Mickey being a minister or an elder, you know, know this is a sacred you know assignment and you know the church has to be careful you know who they put up in the pulpit and the entire time that i was watching his remarks i was like you know how you talk back to the television or talk back to your computer or whatever you're watching you know your phone i was like "Mm -mm, too late too late they let you get up didn't they That's mean, ain't it? I don't apologize for that. You know, and Minnie being an evangelist, you know, anybody ever heard of her being an evangelist? First of all, it's a character. We know that. We know they aren't real. It's a figment of someone's imagination, right? These are cartoon characters. Give me a break. Um, You know, representatives of a whole entity. You know, Walt Disney, Um, he says, Disney is quote, a wicked company um, that they are on the side of drag queens, reading books in schools, um, and again, conversation with one of my friends, I'm like, when did, how did all of this become public enemy number one? And That's, you know, that's part of my problem. Um, you know, I think it was, I was talking to my friend again about, um, this a little clip of an interview, you've probably seen it online, uh, John Stewart is interviewing um, a politician who's, again, you know, taking the issue with drag queens reading books to kids, and John Stewart asks him, you know, what's the number one killer of, Children in the United States, and the politicians, like, I bet you're gonna say, I think you're gonna say um, guns. And John Stewart, like, gets an attitude with them, rightfully so. It's like, no, it's not some kind of like, you know, touchy feely or, you know, like, kind of wispy. Um, is the word ephemeral? Ephemeral? Okay, look it up. Is it ephemeral? Yeah, um, ephemeral. I was saying it wrong. This isn't some kind of like ephemeral, you know, just transitory or fleeting kind of, those are other um, set of notes for that word, you know, idea. It's actually concrete. The number one killer of children in the United States right now is guns. So why are we attacking drag queens? Well, that has nothing to do with it. But again, it's the, um, you know, people are mistaking, you know, their own political or social um, leanings and ideology for policy. And that's, again, you know, that's a line that should not be crossed. Again, that's why there's a separation of church and state. Um, People try to come against them because they paint them as, quote, groomers, end quote. But that's not that's not what's happening either. I mean, that's not, you know, who the majority of, unfortunately, of pedophiles tend to be. They're not, you know, LGBTQ people. They are people who actually identify as heterosexual. This is an awkward conversation. I didn't really mean to go this far. But anyway, I was trying to get back to Wooten. I'm not trying to like I said, I I way, I got way too far away. But anyway, as I was saying, in addition to some of the other remarks that I've already mentioned, that he said about Disney being a wicked company, um, he said that you know the office or the designation of bishop or pastor or elder or minister or evangelist; those are sacred designations, and they should not be just you know loosely applied to some you know fictional characters. I I get where he's coming from with that. You know, on paper I get it, but I think in practice. You, it's too late, you know, that, that ship has already sailed because you got a whole bunch of people, and we'll just talk about the Church of God of Christ, I'll just talk about the Church of God of Christ. you got a whole bunch of people running around the Church of God of Christ with that quote, sacred designation, in quote, who have no business with it. None, none, can't read nothing, Do, can't rightly divide the word of truth if you gave them a Bible, open up to the right to a scripture to preach from, an easy one. No, no, a whole lot of people running around with that sacred designation who don't deserve it, who haven't earned it, are unlearned. Um, not well read, you know, still trying to, um, you know, um, put women in a, you know, play, a secondary place, you know, when it comes to church services and church, you know, participation and all that kind of stuff. When by and large, the overwhelming majority of the church got in Christ is women. All right. And again, I, I digress. And then there was the other thing that he said, I'm talking about Woodin again, that really, really got on my nerves was when, you know, he... Um, stood up in essence for um or supported uh Governor DeSantis saying that you know DeSantis had enacted policies in Florida to take over um Disney's right of self-governance in the little area that it um occupies and he was saying wooden was that that was the right thing to do I was like wait a minute hold on and then he I think he also called Disney woke if I'm not mistaken I was just trying to go back and take a look at the clip It's one of the clips that I want to put together was like four minutes long. And then another one was like a couple minutes, like maybe six minutes long because Wu also goes on to, and we got to go back to that DeSantis, um, you know, defense right there. But the other thing that he started coming after was um, letting other organizations in the church get on Christ because he won't be able to discern. And he was talking about the Masons and fraternities and sororities and how, you know, when um, there's a, they have, you know, their own, um, uh, not, I don't want to say chants, it is, they do have, you know, sayings and things like that. They have their own practices. And um, what's the term I'm looking for? Not a chant, not a practice, but um, rituals. That's the term I'm looking for. They have their own rituals, you know, at, you know, at celebrations of, you know, their members' lives, um, you know, weddings, they have a ritual. Um, I've seen it at funerals and, and that kind of thing. Um, but he was like, you know, then, you know, you can't tell the difference between what the church does and what the world does. I was like, wait, hold on. And there's an um, uh, Instagrammer, um, she goes by the handle, unfit Christian. She talks about this at length and she's a little bit more eloquent with regard to the subject than I am. But she talks about how a lot of people don't realize that the black church is rooted in rituals and chants and incantations and all of that other kind of stuff. And a lot of it points back to what... Um, People were doing in Africa before they became, you know, uh, Christianized, if you will. You know, enslaved a lot of African people, um, enslaved and then brought over to the United States or, you know, other places. You know, the Caribbean and other folks and other places, not other folks, but in um, South America and things like that. Which is, like, he's he's also misinformed about that. He's misinformed about that. To you know, to like criticize fraternities and sororities and other um, like organizations and talk about their rituals and their. You know, chants and you know, the parts of them that make them who they are, parts of their culture. The black church, the Church of God in Christ, is full of them. Um, They don't sing the song as popularly as they once used to, but the Church of God in Christ had its own theme song. This is the Church of God in Christ. This is the Church of God in Christ. This is the Church of God in Christ. The words, oh, you can't join in, you have to be born in. Huh? Born in the Church of God in Christ? Now we know we have to be born again right? That's what Jesus told Nicodemus when he came to see him at night. You know, you got to be born again. That's not what the church kind of Christ was talking about in that song. (laughs) And all of the rituals and chants and, you know, um, again, unfit Christian, um, she even talks about this, you know, like the shouting in church, um, you know, that's what they call it. It's dancing, but they call it shouting in black church. You know, a lot of that looks like Um, The circle dances um, from uh, various parts uh, um, and countries in Africa. Like, come on. Like, you don't even know your own history when you're talking about that. As if, because I didn't grow up with praise dances. That wasn't, oh, God, no, no. The mimes, oh, no, no, no. That was much, much, much too early. But now, you know, the ecumenical dancers. Oh, okay. But y'all know where they came from? All right. All right, brother. And then back to this whole DeSantis defense. Like, seriously? Seriously, this guy is not, he's one of the main ones that's out there that's misusing that term woke. And again, he uses it to demonize everything that's not white, um, largely male, and definitely heterosexual. So if you don't conform to that standard, if you don't fit inside that box, then that's what DeSantis is referring to when he says woke. It's not even like a a subverted dog whistle. It's an overt dog whistle. And everybody knows what he means when he says it. Remember that one clip where they were interviewing some lady who had written, allegedly, written a book about what it means to be woke. And she was being interviewed by, I think it was an African-American um, news reporter. And so she asked her to define what woke is so that the general audience or whoever was, you know, listening to it can understand. And the lady, like, she started malfunctioning as if she was a robot, like an AI that just went offline. Like, it could... It, 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 so I really know what it I, it, I, you know, it was like, you know, that remember that, is that the Flintstones? No, it wasn't the Flintstones that was Jetsons. Eep, op, orc, uh-uh remember that? That's what it kind of sounded like it was coming out of her mouth Eep, op, orc, uh-uh, like, oh, okay it's just like, I know this moment is going to go viral sure is, you wrote the book on it but you de- you can't define it I sis. but yeah, that's what folk mean, particularly right-wingers, that's what they mean when they use woke, and so for this black preacher in a historically black religious institution to use the same type of terminology as this guy. Remember, there are, have you seen this? It was just at the end of uh, last week, I believe it was, um, Nazis, far right wing um, protesters right outside of Disney. And did DeSantis denounce them? He did not. See what I did there? (laughs) Yeah, he did not. He did not. Because again, People like the Santas, you know, rely on those type of people as part of their base. You know, they hear what he's saying and they identify with it, right? And so they're outside of Disney protesting. This is, you know, the, is it the happiest place on earth? I think it's one of Disney's um, models or themes or something like that. Like, really, that's what you want in Florida? Nah, that ain't cool. But you want to protect their freedom of speech, so it doesn't work both ways. Okay. Just be as obvious as you can with your double and triple standards. That works. But anyway, DeSantis, whatever. Um, not a nice guy. But anyway, uh, so except the Trump will say, Well, did he's not a nice man? But yeah, Bishop Wooden also, bruh, like seriously, here's the other thing for me with Bishop Wooden. I know I got a big critique of him, but this is my podcast. I don't care. Here's my thing. You ain't got nothing else to talk about on on the Lord's Day on Sunday morning? This this is your comments? This 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 is the message? I don't think it was. But this is, this is, this is what's going to draw people to Christ. Oh, okay. Because again, you know, if the church is doing its job, then, you know, if we lift up Jesus, then He will do the drawing. But when you're critiquing and when you're, you know, demeaning and demonizing other folk, that's not lifting up Jesus, and it's definitely not, definitely not going to draw anyone to Christ either. Because of the tender age that um, the students are at when I have encountered them, I think it's really, really important for them to feel seen and loved and appreciated. And it is not my responsibility to make them feel ostracized. Um, you know, tell them that they're going to hell, um, not feel, make them not feel seen, make them not feel appreciated, make them not feel you know, like they don't belong in my classroom. That's not my job. My job is to do the opposite of that, to make, like I said. And so for that reason, amongst others, I just, I, I have problems with this. I mean, some of these young people face so much bullying um, in schools. I mean, there's a lot of it that goes on anyway, just GP, you walk up to the building, somebody gonna say something to you. Now that's not bullying, of course, that's just harassment. <laughs> Cause my students know the difference. Anyway, um, you know, it's the one-off harassment is, but the bullying, you know, students again in in all level of schools, they you know face a lot of that, and it's just students who um, you know are LGBTQ, they face so much more um, bullying and harassment, and um, it's 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 saddening. It's it, it really is, and I don't want, I, I wouldn't want anybody's child to feel like you know. I, I don't have a safe space. I can't be who I feel like I want to be. You know, um, sure, they're young. Sure, they're, you know, still, you know, um, they haven't foreclosed on one identity yet. Um, and maybe they have, I don't know. But again, that's that too is not my place. That's not my place to, you know, tell them which way they need to go. That's for them to decide. Again, my bestie and I were having this conversation too. I mean, that's the whole crux of, of Christianity. It's choice. God gives us free will. You know, if if we choose him, great. If we don't choose him, all right. But the I mean it's not all right, but you know, it's it's not all right for us. But the point is, he doesn't force himself on us. And when pastors and preachers and whatnot do their altar call, they're offering Christ, not forcing folk. Now that's what they used to do in the old church. They used to force us kids the Terry for the Holy Ghost, that's definitely a podcast for another day. I'm going to write that down. Podcast on tearing service. Hold on. Next, I'm going to turn back. Um, well, this happened in Florida, so I'm not ter- taking that for our return. Um I know you probably heard about this story. This um, this mom, AJ Owens, GK Owens, I think was her name. She was um, murdered. Um by a white woman uh, who shot her after calling her children um, racist slurs. So apparently this kind of falls or fell, falls fell into the stand your ground law that still exists in Florida. I thought places were trying to repeal these because they were literally given racist white folks license to shoot a whole bunch of black people with impunity. Am I using that word right? I love that word impunity, but a lot of times I use it wrong. Anyway, according to NBC News, she was fatally gunned down by her 58-year-old um, white neighbor after the neighbor had called her children racist slurs. Um, the kids have been, and, and apparently there's a history of this uh, A white chick, white lady, she, she's older, um, older than me, um, being inappropriate with the kids. And, you know, somehow or other she had taken the kids, um, iPad or some type of electronic device. And then they told the mom. And so the mom, uh, went back to, uh, you know, went to confront the lady, like, why, you know, like a mom would do, you know, let me go on over here and handle my business and get my, my kids, you know, device or whatever like that. Um, uh, but as she, you know, attempted to do so, this sounds eerily familiar, right? Um, the woman shot Owens through the door. Um, but again, the lady, you know, claimed that her life was, you know, in jeopardy. In jeopardy. Um, it's 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 one of those sad and also angering and probably triggering stories. To um, the woman, um, Owens' children were outside, and the lady, you know, complained about them being outside. Um, this, uh, white lady also allegedly threw a pair of skates, um, at the kids. I mean, it's just, it's, it's sad. It's, it's incredibly sad. Um, let me get this lady's name. Who's the lady that shot her? Um, manslaughter charges were filed against her. Um, Susan Louise Lawrence or Lawrence. I don't know how she's, how you pronounce her last name L O R I N C Z, but, um, Initially, and again, doesn't this sound eerily um, familiar? When this incident first occurred and the authorities were called, the lady was questioned but not arrested. And it wasn't until the story went viral that Susan was actually um, arrested. Um, you know, it's you know, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, I think. I think uh Al Sharpton preached the lady's uh, funeral, funeral and her family, um, according to a couple of pieces online, uh, have said that the manslaughter charges that have been um, filed against her are um not adequate, that um there's a difference between manslaughter and murder. Um, you know, she purposefully and willfully, you know, discharged her firearm with an attempt to, you know, in a effort to kill this lady not you know to protect herself so that's murder not manslaughter now I'm no attorney um and waits to be seen um you know what will happen as the as a result of this case and also the um the young man who was shot um that wasn't in florida but the young man who was shot um, when he was going to pick up his little brother and knock, you know knocked on the door of the wrong house and an old white man i think he was in his 80s the old white man that shot him but that boy lived and then a miracle um, unfortunately, this mom, AJ Owens, uh, died. Crazy, 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 crazy. And we already talked about gun control, and gun laws, and crazy Florida and all this other kind of stuff. But see how these ideas and how this ideology um, permeates our society. You see how you see how this anti-woke ideology, you know, permeates the thinking of people, and they never learn any different. They don't learn tolerance let alone acceptance cuz i mean that's a continuum right it's 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 horrible it's abysmal i mean it really you know and then people it, it's really a tough thing to deal with and then people get all bent out of shape if you wear or declare or you know just even post you know a hashtag that says black lives matter well you wonder why it certainly seems like black lives don't like black folk are disposable Okay. uh, We're going to, we're going to switch gears. We're going to leave Florida here. Um, (laughs) We're going to leave Florida and talk about um, some, some more lighthearted information or lighthearted stuff. I usually don't uh, deal too much in gossip, but this one, y'all was, it was a little, it's a little bit hard to ignore. Um, Khalees and Bill Murray. I mean, I just, I can't, I've been on social media, especially now that I'm on summer vacation, I've been on social social media and it's just it's been hard to to get away from it. I mean, you keep scrolling, keep scrolling and it's coming up everywhere. So it hasn't just been on like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Internet sites or, you know, um, Instagram sites or um, accounts that you know just cater to Black folk when it ter- when it comes to gossip, but it's been like in BuzzFeed and the LA Times. <laughs> I'm reading this particular article right here. Oh my God. Um, the singer, Khalees, um, who shared photos and videos of the weekend from her summer vacation in Greece has finally broken her silence on her relationship with the Oscar nominated an- actor. Spoiler alert, don't expect a clear cut answer. Ma'am, would you care to address these Bill Murray allegations? What he doing with all that? And she responded on Sunday, LOL, no, babe, I wouldn't bother at all. Like, she, you, it's just, it's crazy. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, the speculation is based off of, I guess, photos, um, you know, with uh, Khalees and uh, Bill Murray. Y'all, it's all, so if you just Google, Khalees and Bill Murray, Um, you got the Today Show, L, CNN, People, E! Online, the LA Times, the Independent, Yahoo, Parade, and Essence Magazine, y'all. So it ain't just me. It's not like I've been, you know, okay, I did. I pointedly looked it up for this uh, podcast episode, but yeah, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And um, yeah, so I guess she's like addressed it without Addressing it. Um, neither one of them, have, you know, like made a, a comment about it, but y'all, it's crazy. Um, again, it's the son is the one that broke the news um because they were, you know, spending quality time together and they were spotted um together, or Murray was, Bill Murray was at her recent London London show, and um he's been, I guess, at a couple of her other shows. Um, she was married to um, Mike Mora and he died last March from um, stomach cancer. This is what Essence says. And then Murray lost his ex-wife, uh, Jennifer Butler in 2021. Um, remember, you probably remember, I don't know if you follow her, but anyway, she also used to be married uh, to the rapper Nas. Um, it was, I don't know. It's just, it's an odd story. I mean, to each his own is what I used to hear Growing up, <laughs> everybody can find some find somebody. Well, for everybody, there is somebody. I don't know if you can find them. Maybe they are on the other side of the world. I don't know, but you know, to each his own. It's just it's an it's an unusual pairing, is what I'll say. It's just you know, not, you know, not to mention the what is it called? May December age difference between them because um, she's definitely in her forties, isn't she? And Bill Murray has got to be what? How old is he? William James Murray. Um, he's 72. Yeah. And she is somewhere around my age. Mm-hmm. I'm actually a little bit older than her. She's 43. Yeah. So that's considered a May Summer romance. Very much so. But hey, you know, it's a whole lot of um, old white guys has been, you know, up in the news recently, like Hollywood types, because they've been having children in their uh, seventh and I want to say even eighth decade of life. So Al Pacino, um, I think just had a kid or is having a kid. And then what's the other guy that's on the same? They always get mentioned in the same. Uh, Robert De Niro. They, I think both of them have just recently had uh, kids. Al Pacino. Yeah, Al Pacino is currently expecting a baby with his girlfriend, Noor Alfala. Um, he is 82. And his girlfriend, whom he's been dating since April, um, 2022, 2022. Am I saying that right? Yeah. 2022, his girlfriend is 29 years old and he has um, also three adult children. Mm -hmm. He's 82 years old, y'all. It's Al Pacino and then Robert De Niro. I know because I know you want to know. Hey, I told you, I don't always delve too deeply into these on the podcast, but... (laughs) So um, he recently became a father again. Um, Robert De Niro is 79 years old. And who is this that Amy Schumer? Oh, Amy Schumer gave her opinion on Robert De Niro and Al Pacino becoming dads recently in a new interview. She said she, well, this um, particular article um, said that Amy Schumer is not here for congratulating them on becoming dads so late in life. She has said it is, quote, weird, in quote um robert de niro's girlfriend um is 45 years old child honey they haven't it's 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 the I, if i say it it's, it's not gonna come out right y'all it's not gonna come out is is it a hot hot old boy summer <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry okay i'll quit all right last but not least last but not least last topics My last topic, again, this is more in the salacious kind of, you know, uh, oh God, um, gossipy uh, field, if you will, gossipy world. But, and the only reason that it came up on my radar is because the rapper, I think, I think you pronounce her name, Sheikah. I had seen her on that, um, that uh, Hulu, I was gonna say HBO, it's not, because that's not even a thing, is it? Well, it was HBO channel, but anyway, I had seen uh, Sheikah. Uh, She's a rapper and she was on the own produced, um, uh, well, I guess you call it a a documentary. Um, It was on Hulu called Hair Tales, right? And it was really, really good. I forgot what episode um, she was on, but I had watched, I think it was like four or five episodes and they were um, mainly hosted by um, Tracy Ellis Ross. I thought all of them were really good. And like I said, this was my first introduction um, to this uh, rapper, and then um, she says that her hair defined in the in her episode. She talked about how her hair kind of defined her sexuality um, before even she did. Um, and there's a quote: Chika um, and uh, Tracy discuss quote how the beauty standard has defined the binary structure of gender and self expression. Um, because I believe, um, as a as an individual, she identifies as, she's, I'm not sure, I actually take that back. I don't know exactly how she identifies, but she's LGBTQ. She might be non-binary, I'm not sure. But I remember her talking about that, you know, and she was like, of course, you know, people are gonna label me, I'm paraphrasing here, you know, because she has locks. She's like, and and she's dark-skinned, she's black woman, she's dark-skinned, she's, you know, a heavy woman. She's like, of course, they're gonna label me as gay, you know, because of what I look like, and particularly because of the hair. Um, but I was just the whole, the whole thing I talked about that before, the whole series was pretty riveting. And this, um, um, this particular episode, which, with Chica was pretty cool. Like the way that she was talking about how she wants to identify herself, you know, without people, you know, jumping to conclusions and things like that. And how our hair, you know, often speaks for us even before we can open our mouths. I was like, yeah, right. I got with that. I got with that. That's, that's what, that's the only reason I know who she is. And apparently she did some kind of freestyle rap, I think, not too long ago, maybe a couple of years ago at this point, um, about um, the artist formerly known as Kanye West. And okay, i try to justify why I'm all on the gossip site. <laughs> it came up. It was in my Instagram timeline, Instagram feed. But anyway, um, so she apparently was on um, a flight, uh, a late flight about a week ago and started uh, tweeting um, and said that she had... Um, uh, Paid for um, what you, Wi-Fi on this flight just so she could um, you know, go online and tweet about uh, this situation. The lady next to me, I'm reading her uh, tweets. The lady next to me who thought it would be a good idea to buy yourself and your twin infants infants first class seats on a red-eye flight who just woke me up by bringing your screaming. She calls the kid a bastard to our seats to soothe her. I just bought $34 Wi-Fi at 4 a.m. to call you a stupid expletive. She goes on to say, P.S. I hate you and I hope you get a paper cut between each finger tomorrow, you senseless wench. Is that, can I say that on this podcast? Like you are meant are you mentally delayed? What makes you think a one year old would ship their blank blank up on a seven hour flight that takes off at one expletive a.m.? You already had them up past bedtime. I don't care the circumstances. Take your blank to economy at least. Posted because I think it's important, and because I understand that people who actually do want to support me were also offended by infl- my inflammatory thread. I'm sorry because it was triggering, infuriating to many. I just don't like being seen as someone I'm not. I guess she um, she went on this rant, and then someone, whoever she she started texting someone, and they were telling her like, "I wish you hadn't tweeted this." I don't know who it was. She was um, texting, and then she says it's an exact. It- Chica um, responds, it's an exaggeration. Kids are consequences. We all used to be kids. And maybe it's a manager or a family member says the internet won't see it um, like that. And then uh, Chica uh, responds again and uh, says um, something to the effect, um, but a whole bunch of people who don't know me, how I talk or my humor. I don't see why I can't tweet like normal person with normal emotions without it being a cancelable Cancelable offense and then the response is no not cancelable chica, but those words were harsh. I just wish you hadn't used bastard and then uh, Chica responds while everyone was asleep. I was I don't know how you win some you lose some God got me He does maybe a public apology so turns out that um, the kids in question were the grandchild of Tiny Harris, uh, Tiny and T.I. See, again, I know this is gossipy. <laughs> it was a rabbit hole. I'm sorry, I took down it. Um, and who Chica was uh, criticizing was a two year old uh, for crying on an airplane. It kind of reminded me of that other clip from this other guy who was going crazy because a kid was crying. Um, on an airplane and like, you know, there's been a lot of criticism, like why y'all bring your kids on planes if you know they're going to cry. And even before I became a mom, I was, I I understand, I hate to be like this. I understand both sides. It's it's difficult, you know, um, to try to rest or whatever, or, you know, kind of zone into to your own thing when there's, you know, like loud kids or whatever crying. Um, And I understand, too, that sometimes it's hard to quiet a crying baby because of the changes in air pressure in their ears and they can't chew gum and all that other kind of stuff, you know, to alleviate that pressure. I mean, some adults that have whole um, anxiety when they're on on airplanes. But, you know, and like I said, as a parent now, man, mm -mm, we didn't fly with Delaney when she was a baby. No way, no how, no sir. I drove with her. And I can imagine, you know, what it's like. I know what it's like to be out in public with a baby that's crying and, you know, Everybody starts looking. That like they that happens in church a lot because I used to go to church all the time. That happens in church a lot. You know, folks want people to come and bring their families, but when the babies start crying and everybody all mad, you know, get the babies out of here. Like the baby can just start up and everybody start turning around. Like dang, the baby can't get out one good cry yet. But I've been there. I've been there with Delaney. She'll start up and you know I'm running trying to get her out of the sanctuary so that she doesn't you know disturb the the service. Um, so yeah, that's that's a tough situation to be in. Um, Chica, Chica, man, listen, she did the most. She did the most, and unnecessarily, like you calling kids names and all this other kind of stuff, and and got a lot of you know, pushback, a lot of criticism for it, and rightfully so. What is you if you're mad, then pay for your $34 of Wi-Fi and start texting your friend, manager, whoever it was in the first place to vent. You don't vent online. That's stupid about kids and she's she's bullying them and calling them profane names that's that was you know (sighs) okay so like the toddler says was it's a zanique's daughter hunter um who was traveling with zanique's relative and a four-year-old daughter and what chica later called okay so here we go a manic episode right you know then she was saying that you know uh she, you know, ha- had some, she was having some problems and she was having a manic episode. And that's why, you know, she was saying what she said. And um, so the aunt who was also traveling, I guess, uh, said that Hunter was only awake for three minutes and cried because he was scared of the pitch black plane. I can't believe you are that insensitive. When well, she woke up once on a five hour flight from L.A. and second off, this is the response back to Sheikah. Um, It wasn't your seat from the beginning. You switched with someone else and sat your fat A next to me and let me express the funk that you brought on top of that. Crazy S was, it was you in my ear saying the girls are so good before she woke up out of her sleep, scared, crying because it was pitch black and her TV had gone off. So she was startled. So here the aunt is accusing Sheikah of being mad. She and the two children could, quote, afford first class next to a peasant, uh, end quote, like her. (sighs) It just... And so this like this whole situation has devolved because then, you know, she you know, starts getting attacked for being, you know, fat and not being clean. And then she said she goes on to say in another, you know, back and forth that, you know, she showered 30 minutes before, you know, she got on the plane or whatever. Um it just it, it it you know it kept going back. Uh, she responded, I guess, on a video. She admitted to acting mean in tweets, but that she wanted to express herself during a manic episode. She apologized for being harsh, but later told her critics to stay mad and that the response is disproportionate to the mistake. All right. Um, it just you know it's like sis, let it let it go. You know, just you know. Take your licks and just let's you know, see. When's this? What's the date of this article? So this is okay. This is June 9th. So this is a couple of days ago. She continues hating on Tiny's grandkids after airplane ec- incident. It, this is on another uh, website called Complex. It's still f your kids. Oh God. <sighs> it's like I said. Like first of all, just leave leave folks' kids alone. If you were having a manic you know, episode or whatever, you could have just stayed texting whoever you were texting and leave it there, not go public with it. Even if you were very mad um, about the kid, you know, interrupting your sleep. I, I, okay, or being loud on a plane, or being loud in a public space. This is what someone else was pointing out, like whoever that guy was in that other clip that went viral. I was mad about the kid crying. It's like airplanes are public spaces. You, you know, you pay to fly on a an airplane. But it's a public space. So yeah, I don't I don't get it. And then furthermore, um, after you have aired, <laughs> after you have messed up mightily, um, stop double downing on it. You know, that's a page out of Donald Trump's playbook and it usually backfires. Um, I mean, it may work for him, but it works for him in his base because that they they, they they think alike, you know, so it works for him in, in, in that small confine though, in that space. For an African American person like her, it, it's not going to work. It's it's only going to turn more folk off to you who would have been, you know, interested like me in your personality or in music or whatever. But now I'm like, uh, no, not for me. I'm good because she seems very mean, unnecessarily so, and not just because I'm a parent, but like for real, leave kids, folks, kids alone. Dang, you can get mad at kids, and parents have written books about how their own children make them upset. <laughs> What's that one about trying to tell the kids to sleep and it's got an expletive in the title? You know what I'm talking about? I think it's like go to F to sleep or something like that. It's a parent's like, you know, frustration with trying to put their child to sleep. You know, um, parenting is hard. It's frustrating. And c- people understand that. And sometimes people understand that, you know, every moment, every waking moment with their child is not, you know, how they portray it in the cartoons. It's it's not. It's, it's tough. It's hard. But. When it comes to protecting our children, I think we all have this. Well, most of us, you know, have the same amount of respect for what we need to do as adults in terms of protecting them. You know, you don't get on social media and start cussing, talking about somebody else's kid because they was crying on a plane and expect people not to take it in a bad way. Girl, bye. And make any sense. (sighs) All right. That's the last topic. I promise. That's it. That's it. That's all. That's it. No more. No más. Nada más. Don't be on Karen Clark Sheard's internet talking about kids. Yeah, did you hear that her daughter is expecting? I'm sure you probably have by now. Kiara here you know, the Clark sisters, they're a gospel royalty. And, you know, their offspring are also royalty. I said this was the last topic. If it is. I'm just mentioning it on my way out. On my way out, I'm mentioning it on my way out. You know, as I close, my Baptist preacher, my first close. Yeah, you know, Kiara is expecting, Kiara and her husband are expecting the, a girl, I think. So congratulations to them. Ain't that cool? That's cool. Yep, that's it. That's it. I promise. That's it. No more. No more. No more drop-ins. That's it. That's the last of the that's the last of the podcast episode. Thanks for tuning in this week. Um, I'll be back next week with a new episode for you. I mean, because there's so much going on in the world. Oh, my God, folks just losing their doggone minds out here, aren't they? <laughs> in the meantime, stay classy. Don't vent on social media. And thanks for stopping by.